Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. We live in a day and age which says, of course it's okay to divorce your spouse and marry somebody new. And of course it's okay for a Christian to marry a non-Christian as long as they're happy. And of course it's okay to have sex outside of marriage as long as you love each other. And this is newer, of course it's okay for two men to have sex and now even get married. Well, what's next in our culture? I wonder in my lifetime if we won't hear this. Of course it's okay for a man to have four wives. And maybe eventually we'll hear, well, why can't a 50-year-old father marry his 30-year-old daughter? I mean, once you push God out of the picture, anything goes. And we live in a culture now where pretty much anything goes. And you know what's most tragic? There are Christian pastors who are teaching that this stuff is okay. So what we need to do in this half hour is to get back to the book. What does the Bible teach for single people, married people, divorced people, and wid widowed people? And, um, and hear this, if you believe God loves you, then what he tells you to do is what's going to bless you. If you follow our culture, you're going to get hurt. I, I had a lady call me two days ago and, you know, Pastor Brock, my husband divorced me two years ago. Now he wants to get back together. And I'm wondering as a Christian woman, what is God telling me I should do? That was smart. She wants to know what God wants her to do in her situation because that's what's going to bless her. So would you take out a Bible? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The Apostle Paul, about the year 55 AD, is writing to the church at Corinth, which is modern-day Greece. Back then it was part of the Roman Empire. And he's going to answer the questions, what does God want me to do, single, married, widowed, and divorced? Let's pray first. Father, we do pray that somehow you would get America back to the Bible. Pray, Lord, that you'd open my lips and open the ears and hearts of everyone listening, that right now your word would be spoken, heard, and received. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians, verse 1. Now concerning the things about which you wrote... The Corinthians had written him a previous letter asking him questions. Should, be, should you be single, married? And now he's going to start answering their questions. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. That means not to get married. Here's the first lesson today. It's good to stay single. Now, I want you to know, though, he's saying this specifically to the Corinthians because later in chapter 7 he's going to talk about the present distress that the Corinthians are going through. We're not sure what that was. It might have been persecution. Something's going on in Corinth that makes it better to be single. But elsewhere, Paul talks very highly of marriage. In fact, he says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you forbid marriage, that's the doctrine of demons. 
But still, it's good to, it's good to be single. So I, I, I uh, look at verse 2. But because of immoralities, let each man have his own wife. Let's talk about immoralities. Corinth was the sin city of the ancient Roman Empire. The temple of Aphrodite was in Corinth. They had 1,000 temple prostitutes. You went to Corinth to sin. It was kind of like Las Vegas back then. And Paul is saying, because of all, all this immorality, so here's the next lesson. Because of immorality, marriage is the norm. The cure for lust at Corinth was, Paul says, get married. And when he says, let each man have his own wife and each woman her own husband, the word let there is not permission. In the Greek New Testament, it's a command form. Because of immorality, husband, men have a wife, women have a husband. It's a command form. Now, in a minute, he's going to say, but if you got the gift of celibacy, that doesn't apply to you. But for most people, marriage is the norm. Look at verse 3. Let the husband... Fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. Here's the next lesson. It's wrong to withhold sex from your spouse. You can only say, not tonight, honey, I've got a headache so many times. It's wrong to withhold sex from your spouse. And if you look down, look at verse 4. This is equal rights here. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving yourselves, one another, except by agreement for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again, lest Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Here's the next lesson. A sex fast you can have only for a time. Paul is saying, don't deprive yourself sexually, but if you do for a time to devote yourselves to prayer, that's okay, but that's, gotta be a, that's just for a time, then get back to having sex. Paul is just being a realist. He knows that in Genesis chapter 1, God built into men and women a sex drive, and he's saying, don't deprive yourself of that too long, or you get in trouble. You start looking elsewhere. Verse 5, uh, verse 6, But I say this by way of concession, not of command. Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am, single. Here's the next lesson. Why Paul preferred celibacy. Why does he say, I wish everybody would be single? Well, later in the chapter, he'll tell you, and he says this. A married person has their interests divided, trying to please his spouse or his, the Lord. And, but a single person can focus more wholeheartedly on the Lord. So if you've got the gift of celibacy and can handle being single, that is preferable. You can serve the Lord more, more wholeheartedly. So if you're watching this show and you think you're a second-class citizen because you're single, think again. Paul says that's preferable. I'm single. I've been single my whole life. <laughs> I don't know anybody that has to have as much fun as I do, and I get to serve the Lord. Look at the rest of verse 7. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner, that'd be singleness, and one in another manner, that would be marriage. Here's the next point. Do you view your marriage and your singleness as a gift from God? Have you ever said, thank you, Lord, that I'm single. Have you ever said, thank you, Lord, that I'm married? 
your gift of singleness and marriage is something for which you should praise God, even if it's hard. <laughs> Look at verse 8. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them to remain even as I am that would be single. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. Here's the next lesson. Better to marry than to burn with lust. <clears throat> now, the Greek in that verse, though, doesn't say with lust. It just says, quote, better to marry than to burn. And I do think it means to burn with lust. But it doesn't say that, but I think that's what it means. Most people, most commentators think that's what it means. But in the history of the church, there have been a number of commentators who think it means better to marry than to burn in hell. In other words, better to get married than to get land in hell because of your lack of self-control. Let's look at verse 10. But to the married, I give instructions. Not I, says Paul, but the Lord. In other words, he's going to quote the historical Jesus here. Jesus talked about divorce and marriage in Matthew chapter 19. So he just says, I'm quoting Jesus here, and here's what he says. That the wife should not leave her husband. Here's the next lesson. No divorce. Years ago, they asked Billy Graham's wife, in all your years of marriage, did you ever consider divorce? She said, divorce, no. Murder, yes. <laughs> but divorce, no. There's not to be, divorce is not an option for Christians. Look at the next verse, though, verse 11. But if she does leave, if the wife leaves, let her remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and that the husband should not send his wife away. Here's the next lesson. If you're divorced, you have two options. Stay single or reconcile. I don't see a third option in that verse or find somebody new. No, if you're divorced, God would have you either reconcile to your spouse or stay single. The lady that called me uh, this week, Pastor Brock, two years ago, my husband divorced me, but now he wants to get back together. And what does the Bible say on this? And I said to her, well, either you reconcile with him or you stay single, but it never says you can find somebody new and get married to somebody new. Verse 12. But to the rest I say, I, not the Lord. And now, now he's not quoting the historical Jesus. He's giving his opinion, but it's authoritative opinion inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is authoritative too. He's just not quoting Jesus. But to the rest I say, not the Lord Jesus, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, let him not send her away. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her, let her not send her husband away. Here's the next lesson. Believer, stay married to your unbelieving spouse. If your spouse is an unbeliever, but he agrees to stay in the marriage, then you stay in the marriage. Why? Here's why. Uh, look at the next verse, verse 14, 4. Here's the reason you stay. The unbelieving husband is sanctified, made holy through his wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified and made holy through her husband, her believing husband. Otherwise, your children are unclean, but now they are holy. In other words, you stay in a marriage where the 
spouse is an unbeliever, you have a holy purifying effect on him, whether he knows it or not, whether he likes it or not. The fact that you're in that marriage, in that family, in that house, you are a purifying effect. Verse 15, yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. Here's the next lesson. If the unbeliever leaves, the believer is not bound to make it work. I mean, if he's going to divorce you because of your faith, what can you do? You let him go. Last verse, let's skip all the way down to verse 39 of 1 Corinthians 7. A wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But in my opinion, Paul says, she is happier if she remains as she is single. And I think I too have the Spirit of God. Notice the words, in the Lord. And here's the last lesson. Christians marry Christians only. Paul says you can get married after you're widowed, but you've got to, if you're a Christian, you marry a Christian. I can tell you I've been a pastor many years and I've seen a number of heartaches of, it's mainly the woman who says, well, I'll marry him and I'll convert him through our marriage, and he never comes around, and they have a difficult marriage. Listen, hear this. If you are considering marriage and you're a believer, you don't find a non-believer, you don't find a Buddhist, you don't find a Hindu. If you're a Christian, make sure you marry a solid Christian, because the Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. All right, let's put it all together. Let's summarize this. Are you single? Praise the Lord for that. You can sing, serve the Lord more wholeheartedly being single. Are you married? Praise the Lord for that. God invented marriage. It's a godly institution, but stay married. If you're divorced, you've got two options. You either reconcile with your spouse or you stay single. If you're widowed, you can get remarried, but only marry a Christian. That is Paul the Apostle's advice for widowed, single, married, and divorced. And follow that advice and it'll bless you. Go against that advice and you get hurt. And that's why our culture is so hurt. <laughs> Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us not only his knowledge of scripture, but his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. If you have a question that you'd like Pastor Brock to answer on a future program, at the end you're gonna see our website address and that we invite you to send those questions and we'll take them up on another show. Pastor Brock, going along with what you've talked about today, I was taught that adultery and desertion are the two biblical grounds for divorce. Are you saying this is not true, or I, is this true? I, I don't think that's true. Now, let me explain three different pastors. Pastor number one believes that you can get divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried because of grace, and it's not the unforgivable sin to get divorced. So there are pastors who, who don't even look at the reason for the divorce. They just, grace, grace, grace. To me, that's too much sloppy agape. Pastor number two, and I used to be this pastor many, many years ago, believes that Matthew 19, which talks about not divorcing except for fornication or sexual uncleanness, um, and then the 1 Corinthians 7 passage, that you're not bound to stay with the unbeliever if, if you won't stay, 
they would say that divert, divorce is, is allowed for adultery or desertion. I don't believe that anymore. I'm pastor number three. Pastor number three believes, okay, if the divorce has to happen, I think you can divorce your spouse for adultery. But I don't see Jesus or Paul giving any room to find somebody new and get remarried. So I come down on number three. What I encourage people, what I encourage the lady on the phone this week to do, go home and slowly, carefully read Matthew 19, then slowly, carefully read 1 Corinthians 7, and that is the Lord's advice for us. But I guess, why should the innocent party have to stay single? Yeah. It doesn't seem like that. All right, would let's be say fair. that you catch your husband in bed with another woman, you get divorced, and now you can't get remarried. How is that fair? I would say this How is it fair that, the, that, that you have to get remarried to somebody new? <laughs> Do you know that second marriages have like a 70% divorce rate? So I don't think a second marriage is necessarily the answer to anything. And, and again, the beauty of celibacy. Read 1 Corinthians 7. Paul talks about it's preferable to be single because you can serve the Lord more wholeheartedly. So. But aren't you making divorce the unforgivable sin? You know, I, no. I believe, I believe you're forgiven after you have a divorce. You come to Christ, ask his forgiveness, and, and there's forgiveness. But then the question is, okay, Lord, I'm forgiven. Now what do you want me to do? And that's a different question. It's not a question of whether you're forgiven. It's a question of what the Lord would have you do. All right, so is it okay for a person, for someone to marry if they're already divorced and they remarried? Should they get unmarried? Okay, this is, this is what I get sometimes. Okay, Pastor Brock, let's say they agree with me. I shouldn't have married my husband who was divorced from a prior wife. And Jesus says, if you marry somebody who's been divorced, you're committing adultery. That's pretty heavy duty. So should I get unmarried if I've married a divorced person? I'm going to give you my opinion. I'll tell you real quick. My, I'm, a, I'm a Lutheran. My grandparents were Catholic. Actually, grandma was Catholic. Grandpa was nothing. She married him. He was divorced. And then she wants to get back into the good graces of the church. The Catholic priest told her, and I do think this is official Catholic teaching, if you've married someone who's divorced, you need to li live as brother and sister and not have sex. And Grandma did that. <laughs> now, I don't know how Grandpa liked it, but, Grand but he stayed with her. All right, that's the Catholic view. Jackie, here's my view. If somebody has married somebody who's divorced and they think, okay, that wasn't right, do you get unmarried? I don't think you do. I think you stay in that marriage, and I'll tell you why. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11, Paul says, uh, Adulterers, fornicators, homosexuals won't go to heaven. Such were some of you, but you were washed. And I think there were probably a lot of people at Corinth who'd gotten divorced and remarried, and, and, and Paul says, okay, that was wrong, but now you're washed. And I think the answer is, stay in that marriage and try to make it work. Okay, if the deserted spouse's husband remarries, mm -hmm. In Deuteronomy, it says they can never get back together. Yeah. So shouldn't spouse be allowed to remarry? You know, I know a pastor, uh, he's gone to be with the Lord now, but he was kind of proud of the fact that there was a couple that got divorced, then they married new people, then they got divorced again, and then they went back and married each other, their original spouse. And he thought that, wasn't that great? And I said, 
No, it's not great. Deuteronomy chapter 24 says, if you get divorced, marry somebody new, and get divorced, and then go back to your original spouse, that's an abomination. So I don't do that. And so I, I think, um, yeah, you are uh, obligated, regardless of the reasons, if you're single and, and divorced, I'd stay single. That's the way I read it. So isn't it cruel to ask somebody to be celibate for life? It's like saying, isn't it cruel to ask somebody to be married for life? <laughs> A lot of marriages ain't so happy either. I, no, I, I, I'm going to again say, go to 1 Corinthians 7, read it. Paul talks about the beauty of celibacy. Millions of Christians have done it for 2,000 years. There is, there is beauty and fulfillment in celibacy like there is in marriage. Yeah. Okay. What Does the Bible actually condemn Polygamy? Polygamy. Polygamy means a man having four wives, we'll say. Yeah, and didn't David and others <coughs> yeah. in the Bible Solomon, have? Solomon had hundreds, hundreds of wives, and boy, did they lead him astray into idolatry. So the, the, Jesus in Matthew 19 says the ideal is the way God married, made, made us. Adam and Eve, one man, one woman. That's the ideal. Did people in the Old Testament uh, have many wives? Some of them did. Uh, and if you read the Old Testament, it did not work out very well. So um, David was never told by God, you've got to get rid of all your wives but one. So it was allowed, but it never says it's a good thing. You know, Tom, in this day and age, though, you know, we're seeing marriages between same-sex mm -hmm. and with lesbians mm -hmm. and um, straight I mean, who's defining what is right or wrong? Because when you talk to one person, they have one view and another person another. And Jackie, I will tell you, you and I used to be in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. That's the big liberal branch of Lutheranism. We could take it no longer. Finally, we joined a more conservative branch of Lutheranism. In the ELCA Lutheran Church now, your pastor, your male pastor, can have a male husband, or your female pastor can have a female wife. To me, all this stuff is tragic, but it's at the, its most tragic when the church is blessing this. Um, yeah. How did the church fall away from what God's word tells um, us? They became enlightened. You know, when I argue with some of these liberal pastors, I remember once arguing with a liberal pastor, I said, how do you get around Romans chapter 1, where Paul clearly says it's, it's wrong for a man to have sex with a man? You know what his response was? We have a higher insight on homosexuality than the Apostle Paul had. In other words, we're smarter than the Bible. That's arrogance, Jackie. And so uh, it's, it's an arrogance that's come into the church, and we think we know better than God. When did this all start mm -hmm. that people changed? You know, I, I was in seminary. I graduated seminary in 1979, and it was getting liberal back then. But it's just gotten worse and worse. And I think it started with people just going to Germany, going to liberal theological schools in Germany, bringing it back to America, and slowly but surely the authority of Scripture was uh, eroded. So you think it all started in Germany? No, not all of it, but oh. it, it, for a Lutheran. See, Lutheran is German, Germany's Lutheran land, and that's where people would go to get trained and then come back. And So that, that was part of the infection, Jackie. <laughs> Pastor Brock, we've only got about three and a half minutes left mm -hmm. here in that, but, you know, we've been doing this show now for 28 years? years. Getting there, yeah. Getting to 28 yeah. years. Yeah. 
You know, over the, that period of time, you've gotten positive and negative remarks mm -hmm. and that. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with those? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, I have to pray. I will say this. Um, I praise the Lord that overwhelmingly, I'm going to say 95% of our mail and email are people saying, thank you, Pastor Brock, for taking a biblical stand. I can't get my pastor to talk about these things from the pulpit. So overwhelmingly, it's positive. The 5% I have to pray about. Some people just cannot stand what I teach, and they think I'm hateful, you know, and because I disagree with their view of sexuality or whatever. And you know what's interesting? I preach clearly against abortion, premarital sex, homosexuality. When I get complaints, it's almost all on homosexuality. That's the hot button. Uh, in fact, I had a Lutheran pastor, a woman Lutheran pastor, take after me because I didn't like her pro-transgender sermon. So even pastors are on the wrong side on these things. Okay, so where is our ministry going at well, this point? we got two minutes, let me tell you. Everybody, like Jackie said, we've been doing this for about 28 years, and about six years ago we went national. So people all over the country now, I get mail from everywhere now, and just um, we're on all over the country on uh, Christian Television Network, and then we're on locally. We pay uh, for uh, various cities around the country to be on, and uh, just just so you know, we have a board that oversees this ministry. None of this money goes to my jet or Cadillac. And we're a very simple ministry and almost all the money goes to buy airtime because everybody's a volunteer but me and uh, I get paid a modest salary. So just if you, I want to thank the people that give because I'm a bit in awe that we're still on because it's expensive to buy this airtime. If the Lord nudges you to support us, pray for us for sure. And if the Lord nudges you to start supporting this ministry, you go to pastorstudy.org, two S's. People can uh, support us through that or just you'll see our address. A lot of people get our newsletter. If you want our newsletter, uh, that comes out every other month and I talk about these things. The other thing is Google Pastor Tom Brock on Facebook. If you go to Facebook, I write lots of articles about this woman pastor and her transgender sermon and, and things. Pastors, go, go to Facebook and then type in Pastor Tom Brock and you'll get all my Facebook articles. So that is what we're doing. You know, we just want to tell you how blessed we have been mm -hmm. by our viewers and our listeners and yep. the comments that we get. Even the negative ones make us have to think twice. And pray. And pray, right. <laughs> so... That prayer is a big thing for us. Yes, it is. And we just want to thank you for being faithful listeners and supporting this ministry. And we pray that God will be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're all together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.